0: Ahlan wa Welcome to the Oriental Café, a podcast where we will sit at the same table to explore the fascinating worlds of Egyptian dance, personal empowerment, and halas, life. I'm your host, Joana Seyra, world-renowned Oriental dancer, teacher,
1: choreographer,
0: and author, the creator of the pioneering Joana Seyra's World and Juana Sayra's Online Dance School. I will meet you at the Oriental Café Every two weeks alone or with a guest sharing intimate yet universal conversations. In agreement or disagreement we will create bridges and inspire each other because the world is only one and so is our human soul. Ready to fall in love? Ya la Welcome to another episode of the Oriental Café podcast. I have a very special guest with me, Leila Haddad. One of my references, one of my inspirations, someone that I respect on so many levels, and she knows that. And in a second, you're going to understand exactly why. Now, Leila is a reference, (laughs) it's a reference In the field of Oriental dance, you have been an example and an inspiration of what could be done in this field, at least for me. I speak for myself, and I'm pretty sure I'm not alone. And I always like to start the podcast with my guest presenting herself or himself in your own words, because I believe we're always evolving, we're always changing the way you see yourself today. Is probably not the way you're going to see yourself within five years, or even one year, or even six months. So, I would like to open this episode, first of all, welcoming you, thanking you for being here with me and having this conversation that I know will be very rich. I'm pretty sure of that. And I would like you to present yourself in your own words.
1: How do you see
0: yourself today?
1: No, either I present myself or I see myself today, so I I have to choose. Choose. Okay, so who am I? My name is Leila Haddad. It's my real name. I didn't change it because I liked it. Good choice from my mother. (laughs) Uh, I was born a dancer, and I'm a dancer, so it was my path. I was born a dancer. I made it as a work, I mean, like, like I took it as a profession, but uh, my soul, my body is dance. That's all I can say.
0: So let's dive directly into how you see Oriental Dance, Raksa Sharki. You have been in this field for so many years. You have worked in theaters. You have carved a very specific path in this field. You are very specific in the things you feel are acceptable, the things you feel are not acceptable. The formats in where you want to present your art, that means theater productions, that means productions that have a social impact, productions that have a script. This is not the regular way or the way most oriental dancers work. So I would like to ask you, after so many years of this peculiar experience, how do you define Raksa Sharki nowadays and why the term belly dance is uncomfortable? Why do you feel it should not be used? Or maybe you feel it can be used. I don't know. Let me know what you think about it. So what is Raksa Sharkey? As far as you know, according to the experience you have accumulated, because again, and I speak for myself, the definition of things change with time. The way I see Egyptian dance today is not the way I saw it 25 years ago when I started so I'm curious about after so much experience under your belt after having done so much and watched the the changes in this art form how do you define raqs sharki
1: okay Let's you have uh, in one question you rose many questions first of all uh, let me uh, be clear on one point: there is nothing that which are acceptable and not acceptable. I am not a judge; I'm just a person, a human being, okay, who live through my imagination, creativity. So I am nothing to judge who, what, how. No way, okay? Uh, there are uh, there is enough problems. Uh, in the world, there are enough problems in this world and of acceptance or non-acceptance, OK? So I will never put myself on this uh, non-interesting uh, thing, you know, which is not a problem for me anyway. So what defines Raksharki? Wakshaki is, a, for me, a common point uh, for the 22 Arabo-Berber uh, countries. So. From my point of view, rakshaki has already evolved from the 17th century, 18th century, 19th century, with uh, all the books that uh, writers, uh, Westerners wrote about rakshaki, that they saw mainly in brothels or in the streets. So I, I, I wouldn't be, I, I couldn't say what is the definition. Because we don't know, from my point of view, from where I am in my research up to now, uh, we don't know the origin of raksharki. It has evolved in Egypt, but don't uh, remember that Egypt is the mecca of was the mecca of cinema, theater of the arts in the Arabo-Berber world. So anyone in uh, Tunisia, Lebanon, Syria, name it, who wanted to succeed in cinema, dance, etc. went to Egypt because it was the first country in terms of production, cinematographic production. So it attracted a lot of individuals from all over the Arabic countries. So it has evolved there but the origins, I have no idea where it comes from because I found, uh, because the Nile is very long. We know it's the longest uh, river, should I say? It's a river, yeah, which starts in Uganda. It's called Victoria Lake, but if you go to Uganda, there are certain forms of dance which are very similar to what we call Raksharki. Uh, when you meet the gypsies, the Kalbelia in uh, northern India, in Rajasthan, it's also a form of Sharaksharki. So who take what from, I have no idea. I think it's a gypsy dance. <laughs> I mean, like, by the way, it has traveled the world and uh, influenced. So... I can see many shapes of the so-called uh, Western African dancers, or Indian, or Arabic, or Berber. It's a mixture of. So mm-hmm. I don't have a specific definition of Sharki. Sorry.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But so what I- the point is that I dance on uh, Arabic uh, tunes. Uh, either classical or more like uh, beledi or charbi but it's different styles Anyway, mm-hmm.
0: let me just make a small note here when I mentioned acceptable was obviously acceptable for you I also don't believe that any dancer should say or has the authority to claim this is acceptable, this is not but when you run your own career which has been your case you pick where you want to present yourself, where you want to be seen, and how you want to ah, be seen. That's okay, what I'm I meant. Done. That's what I meant by, ah, by acceptable. Okay. Obviously not for other dancers. I mean, everyone is free to do whatever they want. And independently of what we think, people are free. They're going to do whatever they have in their mind. No one is God to decide you know, for others. But, right. but each dancer has her own criteria of what I will do, what I will not do in my career, what is interesting, what is not. So that's what I meant by acceptable. Now, let's go into the term belly dance. And I know that you've been asked about this several times, because it's a hot topic. uh, But I think it's a foundational topic. So First of all, do you have a problem with the term belly dance? Do you think it's outdated? It's not accurate? It should be used? It should not be used? What do you think about the term belly dance? There there is, by the way, how most people call Raksa Sharqi. What do you think about it?
1: I will answer by a question. Do you know uh, a classical dance from southern India? It is called Bharata Natyam. Nobody has translated Bharatanatyam. Wherever we go, all over the world, we say Bharatanatyam. Mm-hmm. Katak dance, Odyssey dance, OK? So if the name is Roxel Sharkey, sharki maybe people are, don't like to pronounce Arabic words, at least they translate it correctly. I don't care, because the belly is the foundation of humanity. Okay, we are all born from a belly, so belly is a is a sacred place. But uh, I don't see why, because of some, I don't want to say idiots, but uh, legendary people, you know, military people who went to brothers who came from the West, which was extremely Puritan in the 19th century. With uh, Bonaparte was not still Napoleon called Napoleon. they went to Brothers and they saw uh, the middle parts moving, so they got cuckoo crazy and they decided to call it belly dance with but i don't know uh, feet dance or nose dance or ear dance so that's that's it let's be precise. Colonization is is finished kaput over. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if people want to to claim it, it's still post-colonial connotation. I'm not going to, you know, I am not a teacher or whatever. I mean, I try to share my culture the best I can, but I cannot prevent people uh, uh, to say or not say this word. I don't feel offended. I feel sorry for people who know, Nothing about our history. They share our beloved dance. They should at least have some knowledge about it. You know, in France, in the parliament, when there is uh, too much noise, you know, everybody screaming at the same time. You know what they say? Stop doing your belly dance. Even in among politicians, it's a political now expression. So come on, it means stop doing all, I mean, stupid things. So I don't see why, I, I'm not related to that. I call it rock and sharky. It's not complicated.
0: Mm-hmm. It's not I, really complicated. I love the you give Rock me. and roll.
1: Rock and roll is an English word. In France, we have never translated rock and roll. Uh-huh. You know, uh, jazz, we have never translated to another word. It's called the jazz music. Jazz music, we say jazz. Even in Arabic countries, or we are in Black Africa, or South America, we say jazz, rock and roll. Why should we accept that?
0: Do you believe it's a a sort of disrespect towards the dance? Because you gave the example of the classical dances of India. Bharatanatyam is a household name. Everyone knows it. Odissi, Katak, we know. It is known. And it is not more difficult than Raxa Sharqi. So why people make an effort for other dance styles from other countries with languages they don't know. And when it comes to Oriental dance, it seems so damn hard to just say the name as it is, Raxa Sharqi, respecting the culture, the language behind it. Why is it so hard for this specific dance when it's not so hard for other dance styles?
1: It's a problem of culture. People are, it's not because I, uh, let's say, I go to Portugal and I want to study the traditional uh, dances. Okay. It's not because I have learned your voc- I mean, the vocabulary of Portuguese dances. I suppose there are numerous that I know everything about the, cult- the culture. You know, I know only some gestures. A little part of it. So read books. I mean, uh, get yourselves into the knowledge. You know, me, I, I am Arabic, but I studied French literature, English literature, American literature. I am open to other cultures. Yalla, it's time. We are now 2024. Happy New Year, by the, time, by the way. So it's time for you to take your books, to read, and to get acquainted, to talk to the native people, not, we are not just a little folklore. Ha, ha, ha. I mean, like, come on. <laughs> we have to evolve. So I cannot do the work for the people. I say what yes. I think, and uh, that's it. What can I do? Prejudice is the most difficult thing uh, to disappear. Very difficult. OK? So I, I hope, I, with the time, and the, the voices like yours, mine, and some of the voices which are in the world listened to, I think things will be more accepted or more uh, no, uh, known. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. an effort to make. That's all. It's not. If it's not my culture, when I study like uh, some Senegalese traditional dances, I ask first thing: what is the name of his dance? And that's it. And if it's complicated, I learn it. So are you interested in our culture? So yalla, do it for real.
0: Mm. But I feel like in the West, there is a lot of prejudice against Arabic culture. Generally speaking, Mm. Uh, having lived in Egypt for a long time and having been immersed in this thought, in this history for such a long time, I know for a fact that Arabic culture or cultures, because there is not one Arabic culture, there are many Arabic cultures, are so rich, fascinating, independently of the dance. Forget the dance. Independently of the dance. But the fact is that even when you deal with dancers who are studying uh, Oriental dance, most of the time, folks are not interested in the culture behind it. They're not interested. It's hard to push that into a study program. It's hard. They they are not strangely, in my opinion, I find it very strange. Uh, Why wouldn't you be interested? Also because your understanding of the dance grows immensely. Uh, I'm going to give you an example. From the moment you learn Arabic, you become a different dancer. You can become an interpreter. Without the knowledge of the Arabic language, there is a layer of knowledge of the dance and and experience you will never have. So we're not talking about just curiosity. We're talking about even for someone who's not curious but wants to learn the dance in depth, going into Arabic culture, Arabic history, politics, economy, religion, mentality, we lack that curiosity. And we lack that respect for the Arabic culture, which then affects the way we see the dance and the way people treat the dance. Now, I have another question for you, which is something that I personally struggle with um, quite a lot, which is the way Oriental dance is evolving in these last years. Um, And I mean, in these last 10 years, 15 years, with festivals all over the world, um, foreign input into the dance stronger and stronger. What can you tell us about the evolution of the dance, the things that have been gained? and the things that have been lost along the way. How do you feel about it? How do you observe it from your your point?
1: Each of us has its own path. As long as a choreographer has its own identity, creativity, yalla welcome. I don't care. I am not anthropologist. I am not ethnologist. I'm not here to study if this particular gesture belongs to or what. It's up to the people to like it or not. Me, I'm going on my path. Already was very, very hard, it's still hard to perform my pieces of choreography, my pieces of work, what we call my pièces chorégraphiques, as we say in French, uh, to impose it in major theatres. For me, even word the word of festival, it's not even a proper word because take a music festival, for instance. It's not each band. Santana comes and plays 10 minutes and then after you have another musician who comes ten and then plays 10 minutes and then everybody's talking, oh, her costume was so nice. I love her and her I make up. I loved it. I mean, so for me, a festival, from my point of view, from my little knowledge, like on dance, contemporary dance, every night or every two or three days, you have a different choreographer with as a soloist or with a dance company, which who presents the piece of work. They have prepared, which is a piece of work, like from one hour on, one hour, one hour and a half, et cetera. If everybody comes and dance 10 minutes, chica, chica. Okay, so this is for the world festival. And then people are free. if They feel okay with that. I'm I'm happy with it. Like, uh, like you know, uh, what you call uh, all the different names, uh, because it's mixed with flamenco, with contemporary, with yoga. If people are happy with that, why not? Me, I know what I want to do, and I know people like you and many other people who are who stick to uh, Arabic musics from different countries, who stick to the style. That's what, this is our path. If people are think it's not really their path, so maybe it's not raksharki anymore. So we are not talking about the same subjects. Because when Isadora Duncan started what we call dance contemporaine, everybody was against her because there was the ballet, and then nothing else. I mean, in the West, which was respectable, and she came with a new, a new form. She believed in. She was a revolutionary, and it became dance contemporaine. But it's another world. So maybe, why not having different type of dances? But in terms of Raksharki, Raksharki, we die, and Raksharki is still alive. Always comes from so far away, and is not going to wait for you or me to continue to be alive. People who love it, Marhaba Yalla. People who are not so interested, okay? It's another form of dance. So I will never compare. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: As Just, a matter of fact, sorry, they 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 use, they don't choose complicated music, okay. it's 1, 2, so you can do anything, you know, so to, to use the complexity of rock sharky music, to use a music which was written, any music written for Umkel Soom, Mohammed Abdul Abdel Wahab, uh, Abdel Halim, et cetera, name it, you know, it's tricky because you have to understand the, the instruments, What? how do you dance to violin versus kanun, sometimes they don't even recognize the instruments, so we have to start uh, step by step, so maybe it's too complex for them, and I understand Not easy to dance with at all, at all, because as you said, a word, interpretation. Mm. You know, I do shimmy, Uh, it's not enough. Where do I put my shimmy? Where do I put my figure or whatever? Mm -hmm. How do I interpret? Because you pointed out something very interesting in terms of words, but in terms of musicality, sometimes I, I see a dancer and I hear the music I think, is she dancing on the music I'm hearing? The movements are incredible, you know? The knee on your nose, your foot on what on your ear. Wow, it will take me 200 years to do that. But for me, it's gymnastic. It's not dance. Dance is a soul. Is all the elements of your energy and the feelings you put in it, your emotions, you know? Five movements, and you are an amazing dancer, 69 movements. Yes, I think there is
0: a misunderstanding of what dance is. Um, Many dancers under brackets have no concept of dance. So what I usually tell dancers when we're working together is there is a huge difference between empty movement and dance. Uh, empty movement is what I do when I go to the gym, you know, I'm moving, I am moving, I'm running, I'm doing whatever, but I'm not dancing. So what is the difference between empty movement and dance, right? I mean, what elements have to be there so that we can actually call it dance? And it's so much more than movement. And as you were pointing out, we need to know the music, develop sensibility for this music. I remember that when I moved to Egypt um, to start performing, even while I was already performing, I couldn't get the, the, the importance of Uncle Sun. Can you imagine? During my first year of work in Cairo, I wondered, so ignorant. I told my musicians, guys, why? Hey, hey, Yanni, what is the big thing about this Uncle Sun lady? Because my ear was not mature. I could not understand it. It took me years to even understand what I was listening the mechamet, the rhythms, the instruments, as you said, the sensibility, the timing, the breathing, um, the history and the heart behind it, it is so much more than just empty movement. But dancers are trained to be movement machines. They're not trained to be dancers. And this is a big, big problem,
1: you know. Two points, two points, sorry to interrupt you. Two points important. You teach, I teach. I take dance lessons, you know, modern, contemporary, I do jazz, I do hip-hop, beginners, huh? beginners. Anyway, so I talk with students, you know, in jazz class or hip-hop. And I ask, you know, genuinely, because I see like a guy, he, wow, and we are in a beginner's class. And I ask him, uh, Gabriel, uh, for example, uh, but since uh, how long you dance, you study dance? And he tells me, listen, oh, only six years. Wait, only six years. He's beginners. Huh? And how many dance classes do you take a week? 10, 12 classes a week. Okay. Now, how, here we come. Somebody comes to my example, advanced class. So before she pays, I feel sorry because I don't know her. I don't want her to pay, thinking it's beginners. So I am. Prudent, and I tell her, you know, uh, this class is advanced. But she's, but yeah, I'm a professional. Ah, okay. Uh, Since when do you dance? Eight months. Ah, okay. How many classes? Oh, I did uh, two, three, no, three, four uh, workshops with whom? Uh, I don't know if there was a guy who came. She doesn't even know the name of a guy. I tell her, you should remember, don't remember my name. Leila Haddad, I kill you. Okay. So, they don't know the name of a teacher. They come like three classes a month. And after eight months, they're professional. So already, already, people are not prepared to study dance. To study dance. Nureyev, who is, I think, one of the most important figure of a dance in Bali, okay, Every morning at 8 a.m., he used to drink a lot at night or do whatever he wants. 8 o'clock a.m., he is at the Opéra de Paris, taking the class, the first class for children, la Bar, every morning at 8 a.m. And he was the premier danseur, danseur étoile, and most... uh admire dancer in the world every morning to repeat one movement six hours to get to go towards perfection. So come on, let's start by the beginning. This is a big problem. How people regard themselves. You make a critical example, like a, uh, you tell me I am in your class and you say, Leila, not right arm, left arm. Leila she, Joanna, she doesn't love me. I don't know what I did. But you pay, I have to correct you. So people are not ready. They want everything down, down, fast, like a hamburger, chick-chak, chick-chak, and be like you said, extraordinary, like do amazing things which look like gymnastics as you and second thing. How many students study literature? Millions, OK? Out of them, how many become writers? You know, I know how to write, but I'm not a writer. I can, OK, I give you a good article maybe, but I'm not capable to write a book. You know, the type of book that when you read, oh, my God, you read and read the same page. How in the world could he write that way? That's why we have poets, writers in literature, not everybody is capable of writing books. It's the same for dance. Mm-hmm. It's not because I study dance for 10, 20, I don't know how many years, but I become a true dancer. Mm-hmm. Charisma, you don't learn. Mm-hmm. You have it or you don't. Too bad for you.
0: Absolutely. How I usually put it, you know, because, of course, everyone who is studying dance has the at least the aspiration of learning it correctly. I don't mean being a great dancer, but they want to enjoy themselves and learning it correctly. And what I usually tell students is there is a difference between talent and creativity. I do believe everyone is creative. We are human beings. We are creative by nature. We use our creativity everywhere in our daily lives. But I don't believe everyone is talented in dance. The same way as you were mentioning, no, not everyone will be a talented writer or a talented cook or a talented painter. Or you know, Talent is something very specific that you're either born with or not. Not, not saying that you cannot do something interesting and personal and creative. I believe you can. And I have seen dancers who, ha- who were perhaps challenged physically, problems of coordination, uh, perhaps not so good with rhythm. And with study and application, they get better. And they they end up doing interesting stuff. But that doesn't mean there will be a professional dancer or it doesn't mean there will be an extraordinary, brilliant dancer. Because again, there is talent, there is charisma, as you mentioned, you are born with it or not, right? Now, that takes us to another question that I would like to share with you. Because every time we talk and we've talked in the past, I check your work aside from what I know in person. And I've noticed there is a strong political and social tone to your work. I know that personally, you worry about the world. You worry about social justice. You worry about racism and other causes. And one of the things that I find the most interesting and unique in your work is that you bring those causes into your dance and into your tableaus, into your stages. Now, my question is for you, and I know this is only for you, Do you believe that art should have the power to change the world or contribute to change the world for the better? Is there a a political, social uh, function to art?
1: For for me, yes. For me, yes, because uh, when I was studying in London, I have to say two, three words. I was in the movement, anti-apartheid movement, the ANC movement, African National Congress, for uh, to fight uh, apartheid, uh, to fight racism and liberation of Mandela. So uh, my uh, I started doing theater in this context. So for me, I didn't think that I would one day go on stage. It was not my dream. I don't want to say, well, when I was young, I wanted to dream and nothing. I don't know. It's not true. It came along. Maybe it's my karma, if I believe believe in that, but why not? But because I was defending a cause I believed in, so I was a a political activist. So it was obvious when I was invited in this uh, group called the Zulu Theater, they they asked me if I I wanted to join them, and I said yes. And for me, it had a meaning. So for me, the theater is a mean of expressing uh, my rebellion, my fears, and uh, for a better world, you know, and uh, for something. So for me, it is very important. But all my my pieces of work, pieces of choreography, which are between 1, one hour 10, 1 hour 40, 45 minutes, as a soloist or with my dance company, not all of them are uh, about politics, because we are born political. And there are different ways. There are people, they demonstrate. There are people, they write articles. There are people who talk, you know. And me, my weapon is dance and talk in the theater, because uh, people come peacefully, and they, are, they accept to be educated or awaken from a problem maybe they don't know, they ignore. So this is my field. But I have done polit- um, poetic pieces, like when I did the homage to Um Kelsum, which is a, a piece of work for nine dancers, which is one hour, 40 minutes, something like that, Zikrayet, because I, I adore, I worship this uh, artist. And I wanted to do something for her, so I could do poetic but but behind poetry there is politics, because what you talk about a major figure, a woman, and a woman, even in the west, <laughs> we have problems, you know they try to uh, abolish uh, the right of a woman to abortion in europe uh, I mean like. So we are not, so it's always, there is always behind it, politics. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's my uh, my only way to express myself.
0: I find Thank it you. very interesting. And, and this is a conversation I had with Mahmoud Reda very often while I was in, in Egypt and studying and working with him. All the time I was performing, I was also with him. So it was very close to me my best friend and really perhaps the most important person in my dance life and uh, we conversed about everything and politics was one of those points and i always asked them, mahmoud uh what is your position about politics and art and because i i i know how he built the reda troupe and i know how careful he was with dip- diplomacy and doing things in a way that would be accepted by the government, accepted by Egyptian people, something that would not make waves, would be congregational. But I always wondered, shouldn't we use art to change things for the better? And he curiously disagreed with me. He was very much against um, art serving politics and political change. He was very much against. This One was one of the points where we collided, Uh, where we disagreed, and I was always um, pleased to hear his reasons, you know, and whenever I talk with an artist, I always like to see how they see this point, and if they also have the courage to pay the price for their political work, because it comes with a price, right, I mean, you position yourself, and when you position yourself, (laughs) you get people who like you, and you get people who immediately label you and put you apart and and even see you as an enemy of some sort. So it takes a lot of courage to do that, I believe. Um A lot of independence, a lot of gutsiness, and I just love that you do that. Now, you mentioned Zikrayet, which is a theme that I would like to speak with you about, because Om Sum is one of my biggest passions. As I mentioned to you, it took me time to understand it. I did not start loving it or getting the point it took me time it took me experience i had to uh perhaps even learn from the stage and learn from musicians and um i know that uncle sum is a great symbol your homage to her the was a love letter to this woman to this artist to this figure and my question to you is personal and universal on a personal level what is it that you love so much about Om Sun? That's on a personal level. On a more universal level, why is she such a powerful and present symbol, even after decades of her death in the 70s? Why has she remained such a pillar of Arabic culture till today?
1: Okay, she's, she's first of all, she had an amazing voice with uh, so many octaves, I don't know the word in, uh, in, in English, you know. So she had an extraordinary voice, okay? And she had the intelligence to be surrounded by amazing writers, poets, and amazing composers. And she had the best musicians, she was totally dedicated to her art. And she was the common point of two, 22 Arabic, Arabo-Berber countries. Let me tell you one fact. I forgot the date. <laughs> Haddafi was going to do a coup d'etat. Coup d'etat. Do you, you, you say coup d'etat? Yes. Everything, I mean, you don't prepare a coup d'etat in ten, in 10 days. Huh? It was months or maybe years of preparation, okay? <laughs> the day, the very day of a coup d'etat, he stopped everything. Why? Because Um Kelsum was in the city, it was impossible to enter into the city. He stopped a coup d'etat without knowing. She's amazing. And then there is something which is very important. West versus East. Okay, I live in the West since a long time. You know, there is a problem of class in the music. Example, France. Who goes to the opera? Apart from the fact that it is expensive to listen to Mozart or Beethoven or... or you know, a piece of opera. Only the literate people, the intellectuals, I forget about money. Let's say it's not expensive. Not talking about money-wise. Okay? So there is a class level to music and songs. In the Arabic world, you can be a fellah, which is not degrading. I mean, like somebody who didn't have a chance to go to school, for example. Okay? And you can be Uh, an intellectual and uh, a writer wrote 25 books and you listen to the same type of music. Classical Arabic music is open to the people no matter what class it is. And I saw the difference when I came to Europe, I didn't know. Everybody listens to classical Arabic music, even in the tiny little uh, house in the Delta, of Egypt or south of Tunisia or in a little village in Syria. The same that they listen to Damascus or Cairo or Tunis or whatever. So this is already a big difference. So the the songs of Mkalsum, very poetical, and the way she interpreted it was understandable by all classes. So, I mean, it's, and she had a remarkable voice. I mean, one song, one hour and a half. Here is three minutes. There is this famous uh, story about how when she came uh, to Paris, the Olympia, I, I I heard about it. And then there was a contract, I mean, very expensive contract. And then the manager, he reads like three songs. He said. She's crazy. I mean, I paid this money for three songs. So he calls Cairo, he said, okay, five songs. When at the end of the first song, which was one hour and a half, she did not finish, he understood. It's like the Raga. So I think she's she's, uh, beyond the time. Do we listen to Mozart? So I'm not surprised, but we have a star, you know? We listen to Mozart, Beethoven, Gershwin, the same way. So we have our classical pieces as well. Hmm. And she touches the soul, you know. Even if you don't understand the words, close your eyes and listen to her voice. I mean, she makes you travel from here to heaven. You can, uh, and that's why we we talk about... um, I forgot the word, uh, tarab. Everybody's putting tarab everywhere now. Okay, it's like I'm cooking food. I said, okay, let me put some tarab. I mean, the word of tarab, it's when you are entranced. So people say, she puts me in tarab, but I cannot say, okay, let me put you in tarab. <laughs> you see, it's a state. The guy is near ecstasy, but the real world, ecstasy. Mm-hmm. Let me open a parenthesis about what you said about Rida. I understand him because me, I'm lucky. I am lucky. I live in Europe. So I can decide what I want. So I don't take as many risks as people would take in some countries in the world. South America, not only, even in America now, North America. Yes. <laughs> so It's risky, it's risky business. In Europe, I feel uh, safe. And I'm, uh, you know, I have a platform. So I don't know if I were uh, in an arab Arabic country, what would I have chosen? I have no idea. I cannot rewrite my history, Hmm. but I, I can understand why people, but what he was doing was political. Why? Because he put women on stage in a theater, put in the 50s, I think, I don't know what time, 60s, I, forget. I don't know exactly. Uh, he brought felahi dances, you know, traditional dances that people, you know, disdain, people from Cairo, you know, like, oh, felahi, Okay, so this was a, a, an act, an act of, courage, of courage, you know, to uh, have families accept that their daughters come and dance on stage, show themselves on stage. So he was political in a way.
0: In a way, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes,
1: absolutely. <laughs> absolutely.
0: Yeah.
1: Anyway, art for me is subversive.
0: Mm.
1: Art is rebellion. Art is dream. As, you know, so we have to do to We deal with it. We cannot be like working in an office from nine to five. You have to be a little bit crazy. And we all have this craziness, but it's hidden inside. People have the courage to bring it out and the courage to accept that people don't like you. So what? You know, it's, it's the price of
0: course. freedom. It's the price of freedom. When you are Actually. free, you will always mm-hmm. have to pay a price. It's fine. It's normal. Yeah. Um
1: Okay, what else? I have many I questions. Am, I am going to add
0: one little note on Uncle Sum. When I was living in and working in Egypt, every once in a while I would um I would sit in coffee shops in Ahwabaladi uh, in, and um, any street uh, coffee shop and uh, listen to Um Kulsum with mostly with men, mostly with men who would be sitting down, smoking shisha, playing shishpish and stuff like that. And I love to observe their faces as they listen to her music, and the impression that I got goes in the direction of what you shared with us, which is her voice, independently of the text, the lyrics, uh, the complexity of the music, her voice reminds you of what it means to be human and what it means to be human with a soul and with a heart. And I remember watching their faces and um, getting emotional and understanding also why she's so important, why she's such a part of of Arabic culture and people's lives. As you mentioned, and I love that you mentioned that, across every social class. That is so true. You can go to Luxor in a lost village by the Nile and you will hear the Falaheen listening to uncle song. it's incredible. Or Abdul Wahab or Saeed al Darwish, yeah. or any of the classics. They hear it. Yeah, Adiani, normal, normal. So this is something very unique of, of the Arabic world. I love that you mentioned that.
1: Something I did in my performance, which if people have not seen, maybe will not understand, I really am, it's very important what I did. I, last thing about Uncle Soon. I did not accept that I dance on her voice or nobody in my dance company dances on her voice. So I used her music, the music written for her. And when her voice appears, we stop dancing. You know, like, puppet. boom. Because for me, it's uh, she's too sacred. And we are, and I am, I don't talk about it, too little to dare, to dare dancing on her voice. It is... Uh, not pos- not acceptable for me as Leila Haddad with my intellect and uh, emotions etc. So I put her voice, but we don't we didn't dance. Every time was stop and listen, close our eyes, and then music come back rhythm. So this I is very so we understand. Point. Mm-hmm. I didn't dance on her voice.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now this another question.
0: question: Do humans need art to live? Is it essential? And, and how, how is it essential? Why yeah, do we need art to survive?
1: We went through the whole planet, went through COVID, the pandemic. And I think that people were not aware of the importance and the impact of arts, all sorts, you know, exhibitions, museums, blah, 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 they understood it. We need to dream. We need to escape from reality. We need to admire. We need to admire people with guts who can draw, make paintings, make sculpture, sing, dance, play music, and name it. We need that. We need to go to a theater to see a play. This is our our soul, our soul food. We don't, we don't survive. No human being can survive without the songs of the birds. Birds is art. The the music of the leaves when the the wind comes because there was not all these machines and uh, earphones. Blah blah blah. Just the nature. You know, when I'm here by the beach, the beach sings to me. Early morning, I'm not an early person, but I do. When I am by the beach, I, I wake up extremely early to hear the songs or message of the birds. We need art, otherwise we cannot survive. The humanity would never have survived without what we call art, with capital A, and put everything in it. Creating uh, things, uh, you know, tapestry, everything. Mm. We need it. This is our medicine for surviving, especially with all the media's telling us all the craziness of the world today. I'm sick of humanity now. So we we need a little place where we can dream and be child. No, reconnect to our childhood. Mm. I think. Mm -hmm.
0: What was the the biggest, most important thing you've learned from your career so far? If you could bring it down to one one important thing that experience in this field has taught you, what would that
1: be? Keep on being crazy, (laughs) creative. Just listen to your soul. And be true to yourself. The message will pass. If it doesn't pass, too bad. Maybe I'm too early. You know, one van Gogh, before he died, you know how many how uh, do you how do you call, do you call uh, uh, the uh paintings? tableau, paintings? paintings. He sold two. Mm-hmm. So because it, it it was he was too early. It's like so many artists. So be truthful to yourself, be sincere, believe in what you do, uh, be scared at the same time, and but be, always reconnect to your childhood, you know, mm-hmm. be and rebellion. For me, this is, yeah, it's a mix.
0: Important. I love that you mentioned be scared. I like that. I like that. I think that in order to do interesting things and important things for us at least you need to be okay with being scared and i see so many dancers with potential let's i mean let's specify dancers who don't go for things and they don't do things because they're afraid they're afraid they will not be applauded they're afraid they will not be accepted they're afraid nobody will react they're afraid they won't be able to i said no but Every time you do something new or something gutsy, you will be afraid. You cannot get rid of fear. It's a human, it's human. Just do it afraid, do it scared, you know. Don't wait for the moment when you're not scared anymore. That moment will come. But probably use,
1: you, use your, your, uh, this feeling because your adrenaline now. So I give you an example. Martha Graham, who is bigger than Martha Graham? Martha, Martha Graham, I mean, my accent is very bad. She's regarded one of the most important figure in choreography in the 20th century. Maybe one of the five. Okay. Mm-hmm. Not three. Okay. The first time she came, I think it was 56. I read it, of course. Uh, she came to a uh, Theatre des Champs-Élysées to present Lamentation, which is a masterpiece, a masterpiece. You see that? You say, okay, like, I'm going to sell peanuts now in the streets. Okay, okay. A, a, a third of the, of the, of the people they left. They left. A third of the people, who I don't know when they, if I disagree. I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then third, I plotted like crazy because they saw a genius. So that's how it is. That's that's it. And now look. All the paths that she went through. So you cannot look. Okay, as we say, people believe in God or not. I'm not entering this. Even God didn't make, doesn't make the unanimity. Who am I? Who are you to think that everybody is doing to like you? I mean, mm-hmm. come on, don't be pretentious. Do what you do with sincerity. If a message passes, Alhamdulillah, doesn't pass, it's okay. We are, we are work in progress. Every time I present something is where I am at this moment, you know? Mm. That's why I don't like to look back because I have so much to say and to to tell and I have so much to learn that uh, each each step brings me new experience and new vision. Mm. That's it. Just look in front of you. Absolutely, yeah. And doing it because it's important
0: for you. Doing it because you want, you know. Sometimes I I receive emails of of dancers asking me, and there was one that I I always remember. Should I post my dance? Should I share my dance? Uh, a, A dancer from USA told me that she shared the dance video of hers and nobody commented. And she was asking me, Joana, should I remove the video? I'm getting depressed. Nobody reacted. I say, okay, but did you react? Did you like it? <laughs> because, you know, in the end, it's your dance and it's your life. I mean, did you like it? You actually look like you were enjoying yourself. So, I mean, to hell with everyone. If if nobody reacts, so what? It doesn't remove the experience and it doesn't remove the fact that you danced and you wanted to dance and you want to do it. So. Keep the damn video. Don't remove the video. Leave it there. If you're the only one who's liking it, what? There is one person liking it, the most important person, which is you. You know. Absolutely. Now, All right. One last but, question before we yeah. close, uh, which I believe well, I, want
1: I want to talk to about: uh, quick question and answers about books and words. We will we will in a ah, second it's very important for me okay what would be
0: what would be the advice you would give to talented oriental dancers nowadays who want to do serious work who want to do something meaningful and not necessarily mainstream what would you tell them
1: work be sincere to work and work 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 and dream work dream and work and work okay and don't accept uh, voilà. dream big okay dream big and uh, know yourself to know where you want to put yourself you want to dance a cabaret do it with love to a restaurant do it with love in a uh, uh, Masrah do it with uh, theater do it with love wherever you are as long as you are happy and you try to make People around you happy, but what's matter? What no matter what message, it's just a poetry, why not? Just but work. Don't don't. We, we must have humility. You know, we must be humble when we work, when we dance, when we study. Humility, if you are not humility and patience, sabr. Don't, don't, don't use that. Something else people must understand. I think we we talk, we talked to you and me about that, you know in ballet or modern, etc, you have three pieces of work: you have the choreographer and you have the interpreters. Somebody can be an amazing interpreter and a correct choreographer, or can be an amazing choreographer and a correct dancer. There are people who are talented for those two things. But don't expect you, it's okay. You know, Nureyev was not an amazing choreographer. Bejar, Maurice Bejar, was, who did the most beautiful ballet, you know, in modern dance. Nobody remembers that he was a dancer, but he was an exceptional choreographer. Accept what you are. You know, if you are only interpreter, it's wonderful. You see what I mean? You cannot... Okay, Mahmoud Reda was an amazing dancer and amazing choreographer, but not everybody has those two skills, except your skill. This is very important, I needed to say, sorry.
0: Yes, I I love what you said about humility um, and about work. And And I I do believe that the more talented you are, the more you have to work. And people think it's the opposite. Like, if I'm talented, why should I care? I'm talented. It's fine. So they get very arrogant, not confident, because confidence is something else. It's arrogance. Like, I don't need to
1: work. Einstein was a genius, said 3% of genius, 97% of work. Einstein, Einstein. So even if you are a genius... In your talent, if you don't work, forget about it.
0: Absolutely, absolutely.
1: I you also know, this, this uh, pianist. I forgot his name. He died recently. I forgot. I think his origin uh, Russian, living in America. Anyway, he said, "If I don't practice my piano one day, I I hear. If I don't practice my piano two days, my wife hears." If I don't practice my piano three days, my audience hears. Every day, it's like brushing teeth.
0: Yes, absolutely. And I love the way you distinguished between the different skills, you know, being an interpreter, one thing, being a choreographer, another thing, being a teacher, another thing, because those are different skills. You have incredible choreographers who are terrible teachers, (laughs) <laughs> and the amazing teachers who are terrible interpreters. I mean, you really have to find your niche and you have to try it out. You have to try it out. You don't know Absolutely. how you can get if you don't try it out. If you don't have the humbleness also to see how much do I suck at this? Or or maybe I don't suck that much. Maybe I can do something interesting here, you know. Um, in regards to choreography, I'm also going to tell you a story from Mahmoud. Um, He was the one asking me, well, not asking me, he was ordering me to choreograph because, like most dancers working in Egypt, I was improvising all the time. I, I had no time to choreograph. We were performing every night and I wanted to change the program frequently. So there was no time to choreograph. I told him, Mahmoud, I am an improviser. I am not a choreographer. It's boring. I don't have a good memory. Yeah, I gave him all the reasons why I shouldn't do it. He told me, um, yeah, Yanni, do it for me, just for me, just for I me, just do it for me. I said, okay, just for you, but uh, Yanni, not for my work. Little by little, he made me fall in love with it, but I was very resistant to it because I did not see myself as a choreographer at all, at all. And I was so sure only when you get into the work and you first, you're not so good at it, then you become better, then you see, I like it, I don't like it, I have something to say, or maybe I don't have something to say. <laughs> but uh, you will not discover it until you wrap up your sleeves and you do it, you try you're it.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: So it's important to explore and to see where do I find myself? Yeah. Now, I am going to close this conversation with a ping pong and with recommendations. I know you're going to kill us with book recommendations. I know this is a problem because I have so much to read and uh, you are going to give me anxiety attack because I know you're going to bring incredible references. So ping pong first. I'm going to ask you to answer as quickly as possible. The first thing that pops into your head. OK, favorite word. Hope. Hope. Favorite feeling? Love. Favorite food? Hmm. Pasta. (laughs) One wish for yourself?
1: Be creative and crazy enough.
0: One wish for the world? Peace. One positive change that everyone can do to empower themselves.
1: Meditate three to five minutes a day. Okay, forget meditate. Don't speak. Be silent three to five minutes a day. And just connect to your soul. Alas. Beautiful.
0: Now, recommendations. Usually I'm asking for one book, but I'm going to take advantage of your presence. So forget the one. Tell us about a few books that you feel everyone should read. And I'm not only talking about dance. I'm talking about anything, any subject, because I know you're very eclectic. You're interested in different things. And this podcast is for people who are eclectic and curious and interested in many things. So it doesn't have to be dance related. Which books would you recommend?
1: The Prophet from Khalil Gibran, which is a major work he did. He wrote many, many books, but this book, I think, if I remember, right, it took him like 25 years or something. He finished it and he died uh, a little time after. Mm. And this is very thin, yeah. but each page you can stay Three months on it. Okay, that's very important. Uh, more uh, poetry, it's Hugh Langston, who was an Afro-American uh, writer and novelist and poet. I love poetry. I love poetry. Uh, James Baldwin, who wrote also, he was an Afro-American This is all the time of the fight for the civil rights, a little before. And James Baldwin uh, uh, had to fight two things. He was black and homosexual. So he found himself in France and he finally died in France. Uh, And a major, for me and for all the people who are interested in the Arab world, Franz Fanon was a psychiatrist. France, F-R-A-N-Z. Fanon, F-A-N-O-N. He was from West India, Martinique. It's a French uh, colony, uh, island, which belongs still to France. Anyway, he was a psychiatrist and he, he wrote major books. I tried to find the the names uh, in English of it, the titles. He's very well known. He wrote about the terrible impact of colonialism on your, the mind of the nation. He, he wrote, uh, uh, because I cannot say it in English, huh? uh, I wrote it because I know it's uh, uh, peau noire, uh, black uh, skin, white masks. Uh-huh. Voilà, peau noire, masque blanc. It's very very voila black no no black skin white masks that's the right word uh, of a book and it's the dehumanization if the dehumanizing effects of a colonization upon individuals and the nation and this for people who are interested because uh, nearly all Arabic countries have been colonized among other countries of course okay. Mm. And uh, this, I will say, The uh, rest, rest of the Earth, Les Danées de la Terre. I, I spell it W-R-E-T-C-H-E-D. Mm-hmm. Leila, what earth. I'm
0: going to ask is if after you can send us the, the names of these books so that I can
1: share them in okay. the show notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You yeah. can the search for them. And then finally, Maya Angelou. Maya Angelou. Maya Angelou. She's my queen. She's my muse. She wrote many, many. I mean, all her are masterpieces. And I, I was lucky. On my one of my last pieces was a, a fight against and you know, to to educate the people about the fight for for Afro Americans for the civil, the civil rights with Malcolm X, I I wrote a thesis on Malcolm X and Martin, Dr. Martin Luther King. And she wrote an amazing poem that I danced called Still I Rise. Nice. Before she died, I didn't know she was going to die. I had her phone number because I, we have uh, common friends, as I'm in, in poli- politics and poetry, blah, blah, blah. I called her. And she asked her her permission. Of course, I could have a permission without asking because you can dance on any poem. But for me, it was uh, an excuse to listen to her voice. And I asked her if I could dance on Still I Rise. For me, it's so huge. It's a masterpiece. It's worth 10 books.
0: Absolutely. She has, I don't know if you've ever seen it, she has a, a poetry recital available on YouTube. Uh yeah. it's so amazing. It's one of my favorite videos. I've watched it so many times. She's reciting her own poetry and telling yeah. stories. But I used
1: everything. I used her voice because my Arab my English accent was so terrible. So I and she's the way she says it is exceptional. No one can do it like her. I mean, but I know. And uh, she had the past of... She was a dancer. Yeah. She was a choreographer. She yeah. was a journalist. She was a singer. And she was an activist. And she was, uh, you know, mixed with like Nina Simone. Do people... I don't know if people know that Nina Simone, she wrote the the anthem, anthem mm. for the Black Panthers movement.
0: Oh, I did not know that.
1: Yeah. Nina mm. Simone. I mean... So all these people, I feel very uh, near to them.
0: Mm, yes, she, she was been. the queen. My Angelo is like huge inspiration. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Now, one movie, I mean.
0: hmm, one movie everyone should watch.
1: Malcolm X of Spike Lee. For me, this is a very important. Or oh, Invictus of uh, Clint Eastwood on uh, Nelson Mandela, Madiba,
0: mm. with
1: my hero. I can also write that. Mm. Uh, on, uh, I will send you a, a, a text message.
0: Yes, please. Yes. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to share the names of the books and the movies you referred in the show notes alongside with your social media so that people can find you and can know more about you and, and your you. work. Last but not least, one word that uplifts your soul. Dream. That is so beautiful. Laila, thank you so much. I am not surprised because I know you are very, you are uh, juicy, dense, you know, like... um, like a mountain with a lot of life within. I I love people mm-hmm. like that. You're very feisty, you're fiery, which I also respect because I'm also like that. <laughs> you know, we have a lot in common. I I love that fire and I don't think that you would have done so much of what you've done without that fire. I love that about you. And thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you for always bringing so much soul, so much honesty uncompromising honesty to the table it is really like balsam balsam it's like medicine for my soul and i'm pretty sure people are gonna love this episode thank you so much and i hope to see you talk with you connect in some way shape or form very very soon
1: thank you for all the work you put because you it's i know it's very very uh, a lot of dedication and work because to your uh, to your dream, to your dance, to your audience. I know you are very well respected and followed all over the world and people respect you and above all they love you. It's very two, two pieces of which are important because you are very creative and you give uh, space to other people. So you are very generous. So, and I praise you for that. Thank oh. you so much because it's thanks to you that we have this type of Platform, do we say platform, yeah, mm. and I hope everybody is enjoying because it comes from you thank you so I much. I love
0: to learn from other people, and i i I have gained so much from so many people, you know, including from you and from the inspiration you've given me, so nobody is whatever they are alone, nobody um we are all a mix of so many people, and <laughs> I believe that with all my heart. Thank you again. And thank see you me. soon. A big kiss. <laughs> yeah. Leila, thank you. Thank you. Thank thank you. you.